that is amazing, isn't it? I've seen that three times, and I never can figure out how they do that. That's amazing. And what a story, what a message as we prepare um, for the book of Joshua this morning. I don't know if that's in sand or what, but we're in the middle of a series uh, from the story. And uh, the subject today is Joshua, and uh, comes out of the book that many of us are reading right now, and I want to say this, I think, is the best bargain for books I've ever seen. I think we ordered a new case last week, and somebody wanted half of them. So there's only a few left at the information booth. But if you haven't got your copy for only $5, we're reading it through, many of us, in a month's time. And <clears throat> what a blessing that uh, that is. But the story of Joshua is found in chapter 7 of the book of Joshua. And chapter 7 is entitled, The Battle Begins. And uh, that chapter tells the full story of how the promised land was totally conquered under the leadership of Joshua. It was a very interesting and exciting conquest like the world probably has never seen before or since. And it was just amazing because the fear of the Lord fell upon the inhabitants of the land that God had promised to his people years, centuries before, or however long it was, to Abraham. And now they are there at the border. And uh, the Nations are so fearful that the south nations gathered a coalition of five kings to stand against them. And uh, I want to show you this on the map because Joshua and the army were able to defeat five kings all at once. Very interesting. We have uh, on the bulletin cover a map of the conquest. There's a map up here if you want to look more closely. But up here you see the... the, um, place they camped was Jericho, came across the Jordan River, and the first city was Jericho. From there, they turned south because this coalition of five kings down here stood against them, and they defeated all five at once. Because they had divided the land in the middle by coming there, then they turned north, and seven kings stood against them up here. When it was all done, they defeated 15 kings down here, 16 kings up here, and... uh, 31 kings in all. They're all listed for you in um, Joshua chapter 12. And it's just really amazing that all of these things were done at once. The purpose of my message this morning is not to rehearse the details of that invasion and conquest. I just wanted you to see how they came in the middle and south all fell, north all fell. Sure, there were pockets of resistance and people left in different places, but the main kings, 31 of them, were conquered just like that, as they move forward in the name of the Lord. I don't want to talk about that because I want to actually preach about Joshua and this morning look at six statements from the book of Joshua. I'd like to begin by giving you six words that summarize the spiritual thought of these six statements. They all start with the letter V, and we'll look at the view, the vision, the visitation, and the voice the victory, and the values you can see on the, the screen. You might want to take notes of these six points on your uh, back of your sermon, uh, your, your bulletin cover. But the starting point for the book of Joshua lays out the direction for the book and this man's life. See, Joshua was to take the leadership of the people in the place of Moses at this time and now lead the people of Israel into the promised land. Let me begin by reading the very first words of the book of Joshua, in Joshua 1, 1 to 3. 
There it reads, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of man, of none. He was Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead this people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, it will be on the land that I have given you. Let me drop down to verse 5 and read, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. Some of the other translations in that passage are saying, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, which really is what Jesus said to us in the Great Commission. Hallelujah. The first statement this morning comes from verse 2 here, where it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's not just a fact that God was telling Joshua. (laughs) He already knew that Moses was dead. It was not just information that God was passing along, but it was a call. It was like a statement of purpose for Joshua. It was a word or a, a message, we would say, that would direct his destiny. It was a point of spiritual revelation that would shape the call and the destiny for Joshua and the people of Israel. God was saying to Joshua, Moses, your leader is now dead, Joshua. You must rise up and fulfill your destiny and your call and my will for this people. God was saying to Joshua, now is the time. It's like a statement of purpose. Moses, the past is over. I want us to look at that commission as I read in chapter 1. That is a view of the past. My first point was a view of the past. Moses had been the leader since God had called him 40 years before. Sent him to Pharaoh in Egypt and said, let my people go. And with a mighty arm and miraculous works of God, Moses led the people out of bondage and slavery through the wilderness, and now they have reached the promised land. It had taken 40 years out in the wilderness because of the unbelief of the people. But 40 years later, they'd arrived, as I pointed on the map, at the door with Jericho on the other side. Joshua, all those 40 years, had been the faithful number two man for Moses. He was the leader, the commander in charge of the troops. He was one of the 12 spies that was sent in to survey the land that God had promised them. But now, the point is, past Moses is dead. What now? What do we do now? It was though God was saying, look back, Joshua, and see where God has led you and his people. Look back and see the great leadership that Moses provided and how God had used him to provide for the people, all of these past 40 years. But now, Joshua, all of that is over. What are you saying? Moses is no more. The leader is gone. And for you, Joshua, you must go on. It's in your hands. And I want to stop right there in this first point as we view the past and say for us this morning, we can think of the words of the Apostle Paul from Philippians 3, uh, 13, where he said, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, right? And reaching forth to those things that are before, I press 
for the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we have to come to the place where we have to leave the past behind. Just like Joshua. We have to recognize in our lives that there are some things we just cannot change and come to the place where we have to move on rather than going over that same old territory. They had wasted 40 years doing that, and he was saying, now it's time to leave that behind and move on. Friends, there are people counsel with, talk to, that are crippled by the things in the past. Maybe some of us this morning, I want us to think about it, things we've never gotten over, maybe a relationship or something was done uh, to us. Many times there's nothing that we can possibly do about it now. Maybe the person has even died. He's dead. But we're still under the bondage of what was done to us. And we're living under that cloud of defeat. And we need to hear the Lord say to us this morning, that situation is dead. It is over. That person is gone. You can't do anything about it anyhow. You need to now hear what the Apostle Paul was saying, forgetting those things that are behind. And press on into the future that God has got planned for us. If I could this morning, I'd like to digress and just give you a a sample, or an example, excuse me, from my own personal experience, because I had to learn this lesson many times ago, and as I was preparing this, I thought, Moses is dead. I just want to take time and, and show you how God spoke to my heart one time, and that was when Jerry's dad, Dr. Mead, uh, died. I'd been with him in ministry for about 20 years. He was pastor of a large church in Chicago, and I'd served on him, first of all, as youth pastor, And then I was the music director, leading the choir, leading the band. Became the worship leader to lead all the songs. I was a leader of the adult education program. And eventually, they finally let me be the assistant pastor of the church. So he was the pastor. I was the assistant. Same time, he was president of the Bible college that we have right here now, that Bible college. He was president of that Bible college. uh, And I was the academic dean and finally the vice president under him. Uh, In fact, I even married his daughter in the process of all these things. We were together in ministry and life, Dr. Mead and me. He was my leader. He was a big man, a powerful preacher. And and I just worked with him in everything. But, you know, the good part was for me, the buck stopped there. Uh, I always had somebody that I could go to that would take the lead. I could go anytime we needed, whenever there's a problem in the church or in the college, in all the decisions, wasn't me, the buck stopped there. And then, when he was 54 years old, he died during open heart surgery, and I was devastated. What do I do now? Dr. Mead isn't here any longer. Jerry and I had just begun to pastor here nine months before he passed away. We had the Bible college down in the city, had to do something with that which is now in, our, in this location here. That time, uh, pres, uh, Dr. Mead was president of Full Gospel Fellowship of Churches and Ministers International, uh, a group of ministers that, that Brother Harry Schmidt, who is here this morning, uh, is now the executive vice president, and uh, Pastor Darrell Jr. is a, uh, excuse me, he's executive yeah, vice president, and uh, Darrell is the vice president of this nine-state region. We were so involved with all of these things, and now he was gone. 
And really the question was, what do we do with all this? As I said, Dr. Mead had always been there for me in my ministry. And in that crisis hour, I heard the Lord say words to me, Moses, my servant is dead. Or in other words, Dr. Mead is dead. And like Joshua, I felt the Lord saying to my spirit, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid as I was with him, I will be with you. In other words, go forward and possess the land, which actually became the theme of buying this property and raising the money uh, to, to get started here on this property. Go forward and possess the land. Can we have that on the screen? It was already gone. There it is. Go forward and possess the land because that became the, the theme. And I have to say, God has been faithful. God's been good. And I could tell the same story of Dr. Matthew Thomas when his father died and Matthew had to carry on the work in India at that point and, and lead that ministry to another, another level of blessing and progress. The message here for Joshua is view the past. See where you are, and then forget those things which are in the past and press on to God's plan and his purpose for you. That's the first point, view the past. The second phrase, the second word is vision, and the phrase is a vision for the future. God next had a present word, not it's dead in the past, but the present word for Joshua. It's not just about the past the leader was dead, the hardships of the wilderness, travel, uh, the 40 years for, to, to reach this place. But God had a new word for the leader, a now word for today. As we begin this message, I just hope some of us can, can come to a place where we can let go of some of the things that have held us down and realize that God has got a now word for us. Can anybody say amen to that? Joshua received a word from God for him in that situation. That leads me to the second phrase, or the scripture. It's in Joshua chapter 3, part of verse 4 and 5, where it says, you have never walked this way before, to Joshua. So Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things for you. King James Version says, he said, sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will work wonders among you. That's a vision for the future. God said to Moses, follow the ark. See, the ark of the covenant was the, prom the presence of God. Follow uh, the ark. Why? Because you've never walked this way before. It's time we move out into new territory for God. And, and what a word for that for us this morning. Follow God. Stay in his presence. It is a new day. And we've never been down this road before. We've never walked this way before. We've never lived in this time period. We've never lived these days as they are now. And too many times, if we don't have that vision, I think we settle for the ordinary. We settle for routine, in our, even our Christian life, day in and day out. No expectation. But we can believe God to do some amazing things for us in the days ahead. I want to say, we need revival in this day now. And I think that's what Pastor Darrell was trying to get across this summer when he said, let's have a summer of revival. Did you catch the message? Did you feel it or, or experience? It is a new day. 
We are walking away. We've never walked before. We don't even know what's going to happen in our world, in our country, and all these things because we've never lived this time before. But God will give a vision for the future. And that's the vision point. Third point, follow us closely with the word vision, and that's the word visitation. It's the visitation of a new day as we take another step further. All summer we preach a summer of revival with message about the visitation from God. And I've got a message for you this morning on how to achieve this visitation by Joshua's life. Let me just review. First, number one, we don't live in the past. Amen? Moses is dead. Everybody say that with me. Moses is dead. That means don't live in the past. For us like him, no matter how wonderful or how uh, problematic our past has been, it's over with now. Moses is dead. I wish we could just get that in our spirit. It's over with. And secondly, move with a new vision in God. It is a new day for each of us that God wants to bring us into. And that brings me to the third thing, the visitation for God today. See, Joseph didn't know, excuse me, Joshua didn't know what to do. What's next, Lord? I've got all these problems. I mean, I mean all these people that I have to take. Uh, Moses is gone. I've got no answers. That which I trusted in always helped me to pass. I can't rely in it anymore. Lord, what do I do now? And look at the answer, the visitation that God gave to Joshua when he said this. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. Hey, we're not alone in this day. We're not fighting this thing by ourselves in these uncertain in times in which we live, but we have a word for us or a visitation for us in this hour. God has got a plan. So I just say, catch the vision for the future for you personally and follow the Lord into great victory. In this point of number three, the visitation, I want you to look at the answer that was a personal word for Joshua that day that God gave to him. I want to say it's a word for us at Christian life today. Let me read it, the context of the third word from Joshua 1, 6 to 9. It reads, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one to lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. That's the word for this one. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Let me just stop for a minute and say, what's he saying here? Be strong, courageous, keep your eyes on focus, keep moving in the right way, not this way, not that way. If you want to be successful, walk with God in the unknown. And now look at the power words. Study the book of instruction continually. Why does pastor want us to read this book? Study this book continuously. Next phrase, meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my commandment. Point number three, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. And following that word, Israel crossed the Jordan River on dry ground 
as God again opened a path through the water just like he did for Moses at the Red Sea when they come out of Egypt. God did the same thing for Joshua. And over and over in the book of Joshua, we read, be of good courage. Be strong. Be not afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I don't care how many times you read it or hear it in Scripture, for your life today, be of good courage. Be strong. The Lord is with you. Don't be defeated. Don't be discouraged because God's hand is with you. In other words, God is still on the throne. He is the God of tomorrow. And we just wait and see what God wants done. So I'm saying get ready. Be strong. Have the courage to do what God says because God's got a word for us, for our future. So what did Joshua do? The first city Strong walls, thick walls, was Jericho, standing right in front of them as they entered the promised land. And they went forth in the name of the Lord, and God gave them the city. God worked the miraculous. They had the impossible. God can do that for us today. He can take our cities. I've got to hurry on and keep finishing this before my time's gone. So uh, the fourth point is the voice of faith. Joshua need to hear a word from God on how to proceed, what to do next. And as we move on with God, there must be a voice of faith. And for this phrase, for this word, I want you to go back with me 40 years before in the life of Joshua when he was a spy. He was one of the 12 spies that Moses sent to look over the land when they approached the land, the promised land. This is found in Numbers 13. They said Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to travel over the land to see how it was, to see what was there. And they went from one end of the land, on the map there, from one end of the land uh, to the other in that country. For 40 days they went back and forth, and they found out that it was a good land. It was what God had promised. It was a land flowing. God used the metaphor with milk and honey, as God had said. It was so fruitful that the spies here in Numbers uh, 13, 23, it says they brought back a single cluster of grapes that was so large it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. Hey, this is not some little bunch of grapes you buy at Jeweler Dominic's in a plastic bag. This thing was so big they had to put a pole and two men came walking back in the camp to show what it's like. It said they also brought back pomegranates and, and figs Abundant land is what God called land with milk and honey. But they also brought back a report that there were enemies. There were giants. There were walled cities. I want to read the report, Numbers 13, 27 to 28. And I read from the New Living Translation. I just want you to get the feel of this. Numbers 13, 27. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it was indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the land, the kind of fruit it produces. Verse 28 starts out, but, but. How many times we'd have a good testimony, and we're talking to God, we ended up, but, Lord, you know, it's so great what you've done, but I don't think I'm going to get it now. Don't, don't add a but to your testimony. But 
the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. Great land, but fortified cities and giants and powerful. It was a negative report. Not believing God who had delivered them from the Egyptian empire with a mighty hand. They forgot about that. But I want to say here is the voice of faith that Joshua had and Caleb with him. Two of the spies, one on the screen behind me, uh, Numbers 13, 30, Caleb and Joshua tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses, and they said, let's go up at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. We can do it. That was the voice of faith. The other people in the very next verse said, but the other men that had explored the land with them disagreed. They said, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. They spread a bad report among the land about the the Israelites. The land we travel through will devour any man who goes there to live. And the people there were huge. Next to them we felt like grasshoppers. How many times does God try to get something through to us that is going to be so great, so wonderful, he wants to open up for us, but all we can see are the giants, the walled cities, that it's going to devour anybody that moves in that way. You can't make it. And we have a grasshopper mentality. We see ourselves as little bitty grasshoppers. I'm nothing. I can't do it. You're not going to use me. I like what I heard somebody say years ago, and I've always remembered and liked it. I'm going to put it over here. Ten spies came back as grasshoppers. Two came back as grape eaters. Ten are grasshoppers, but two are eating <laughs> big grapes. Amen. And Joshua and Caleb came back with a word of faith in their mouth, and ten spies came back with a negative word because they looked at the circumstances, Joshua saw by faith what God could do in that situation. The fourth phrase is from number 1330, where Joshua said, we are well able, word of faith, we are well able to move forward and possess what God has said. The New Living Translation says, we can certainly do it. That's a word of faith. It can be done. We can do it. For number five, fifth one, fifth word, I want you to look at another event in the lives of these two men, and I call this fifth word of our message. It's victory, victory, victory. Victory from the mountain view, or the vantage point of victory. The story goes when the spies were in the land that Caleb, Joshua's associate, he saw a mountain, and he requested that Moses would give that mountain to him for his inheritance. And 40 years later, I want to say this morning, it's never too late. Say, well, I messed up. I haven't done it yet. I haven't. Hey, it's never too late to see what God can do. Anybody say amen? amen? Never too late. He came back to that same place, that same mountain, the same place of his vision and his visitation. And in Joshua 14, 12, Caleb said to Joshua, now give me this mountain. He said to Joshua, remember that Moses promised us this part of the land when we got back with a good report? I want the mountain territory. 
That's where we saw the giants living. Give me that now for my inheritance. Give it to me and I'll drive the giants out of that mountain. That's faith. <laughs> Hallelujah. Remember, because the people didn't believe? Think about this. Because they didn't believe, they had to back into the wilderness and travel a year for every day the spies were there. Forty days in the land, they traveled for 40 days until they all died off. It's always been interesting to me. Everybody died except Joshua and Caleb. And they, everybody 20 years and under died. That means that these two men, Joshua and Caleb, are at least 20 to 40 years older than everybody else. Can you imagine the whole nation is 50 and under or so, and here's these two old guys, the two old guys that believe God. I love it. Hallelujah. I think that's good. Two old guys stayed with it. Um, follow me here in, in Joshua 14, verse 8. Caleb said to Joshua, I have wholly followed the Lord. I have followed him. And I want to read verses 10 and 11 so you get the whole picture. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as promised these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And listen to Caleb. Today, I am 85 years old, verse 11, and I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can travel and fight as well as I did then. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope Pastor Dale lets me preach about six years from now, so I want to use this text. I am now 85, and I can still preach. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, then he said here in verse 12, so give me this hill country that the Lord promised me, and I will drive the giants out. 85 years old, that's faith. That's believing for your inheritance of God, it's never too late. I don't care how old you are, trust God and take giants for God. Well, Joshua, the, Joshua, the commander, the leader, gave to Caleb the inheritance that he had believed God for, that they had waited 40 years, while the unbelievers did not go in and possess the land, but Joshua and Caleb got their inheritance just like God, through Moses, had promised. And he said, I may be 85 years old, but I obeyed and waited, and I want what God promised me. I'll drive the giants out. I'm just as strong as I ever was. Hallelujah. My fifth word is, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. And look at it. Joshua blessed Caleb in verse 13, gave to him his portion of land. In other words, Joshua said to, to, to this man of faith and power, go for it, Caleb. <laughs> The victory is yours. You believe God for 40 years, go after it now, and God bless you. And he took it. And the giants that everybody was afraid of, the enemy, he ran them off, and he lived the rest of his life, as I said, with a vantage point of victory. Or he lived with a vic the victory of a mountain view the rest of his life. I think we can rise higher in God. Hallelujah. Now, in case I have confused you with all these points, let me just review as we close here in a minute. We've seen, number one, the, the view of the past was that Moses is dead. A vision for the future. As Joshua said, tomorrow the Lord's going to do wonders among you. Thirdly, is a visitation for a new day. As the Lord told Joshua, be strong and very courageous. 
for the Lord is God is with you wherever you go. Next slide is the voice of faith. God has given us this victory. Even if nobody else believed it, these two old guys said God's given us the victory. And the fifth point was the vantage point of victory, or give me this mountain. This mountaintop is mine. I just wish that we could catch with vision that God wants us as Christians at Christian Life to live on mountaintops, not in valleys. Take it. If you have to press up to get there, maybe kill a few giants in a way. You're, you're young enough. You can do that. The 85-year-old man did it. You can do it. Get those giants out of your life and live on top of your victory, not under that mountain. Amen? Now for the sixth point, and I have to close. Uh, not, with another, not with another higher miraculous victory, but I want to conclude this message this morning about the great man Joshua with a point number six, and that is his value and his priority. The value and the priority of his family. It was Joshua who said in the very last chapter of his book, Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I even say that this morning, I can almost hear my dad reciting those words over and over in my life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I remember my dad saying many times, if my boys don't serve the Lord, how can I keep on preaching? Or he would say, if I'm so busy serving God and winning everybody else and I lose my own boys, how can I go on in the ministry? See, Joshua had that kind of a value system. 24 chapters of great exploits. In the name of the Lord, one of the two spies who came back with a good, godly report, wandering with people, living with unbelief for the next 40 years as they all died in unbelief, then taking Moses' mantle, leading the people into their possession, into the new land, he brought the promises of God to a nation. Hallelujah. But in the last chapter of the book. It doesn't leave us with just this man out working miracles, taking enemies, wiping out other nations. You see, the heart of the man who took a stand in the things of God, and here's his declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want my kids to live for God. He was saying we will be a, a godly family. Even if your kids are not saved, not living for God, I say keep praying for them. Keep praying, keep believing God. Because what he was really was saying, I'm going to be a godly man. I want to be a faithful husband. I want to be a godly example to my children. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Amen. I don't know if you read Pastor Darrell's Bible blog, but I hope you read it when you go home, because those are the very words he reported. I'm going to ask Pastor Darrell just to, Come up here for a minute or over there by the map someplace. I'm not going to turn it over to you yet, but I want you to just come up there for a minute, and then I'll be through. I want him there because I want to give God praise. You can step in front of the map. Okay. That's good. It's so fun to be able to tell him what to do. He's, he's the lead pastor, and anyhow, never mind. Uh, I just want to say that uh, I thank God for our family, and I want to give God praise. I don't know why our kids live for God, but I'm happy they do. And, and I want to commend Jody. She's homesick this morning uh, with a 
pain in her shoulder and so on. But I want to thank God for my daughter, Jody, and for Mark, husband, her husband, Mark, um, and their commitment to raise their family for God. Their kids were in church last night here. Mark's the head of his family, setting a pace for a godly household who is serving the Lord. He's leading our men's ministry here in the church called Men of Valor, trying to challenge men in our church to live like this and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Men of Valor. Pastor Darrell, I think, is trying to lead his family in the same way. And uh, as he wrote in a Bible blog about when he learned about saying this at the end of prayer, I didn't know that before until I read it this morning. But I want to say, every time their family pray over their food, even in a restaurant, when they finish, all the boys and Leslie, they say together out loud, and I'll tell you, they try to do it faster and louder than the other one. They say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want to present to Pastor Darrell that which is on the screen. I have a plaque that says the same thing, and I want to present that to him this morning for your family. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Joshua is our example in this message one who did great and mighty things for God, influenced the nation in the right direction, would not compromise. But we see in the last chapter he's more concerned about his family than anything else. Pastor Dell's going to come and pray. But I want to ask you as he comes to do that, this question, will you be a Joshua this morning? Let me just reverse these points. We be a Joshua and... The last point, be concerned in praying for your family, living for God. Secondly, regarding, uh, would, you, would you be a family, uh, I mean, would you be challenged to take your mountain for God? I mean, by that, your difficult place or your giants for God. Be challenged. Would you be willing to take that challenge? Would you be changing from a grasshopper mentality to a grape eater Possessing the fruit, number three. Would you be committed to being a strong person in God, a person of good courage, no matter what you're going through, you will be faithful, strong, and of good courage. Secondly, would you be conscious of God's vision and plan for you and your life? And lastly, would you be convinced that the past is over? Some of those things need to die, and God is in the future. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Merrill. <laughs> what a good word this morning, and a challenge to us all in the life of Joshua is always a challenge because Joshua is one of those rare characters that started well and finished well and uh, really impacted an entire generation for God. And, and thank you, Pastor Merrill, for what just a great word and, and a good challenge. We're going to pray for us as we go. I challenge you to be the pastor of your home and, uh, and, and to just make it, the, this is the way it is. We're going to live for God. Amen. And uh, that's it. And uh, we're going to pray over you. We're going to pray over Pastor Merrill because he's leaving for India. So we want to pray over him as we conclude our service today. Uh, but before we do, what we do on the first Sunday of each month when we receive communion, is we take up a, an offering for the poor that are among us uh, in our church, in our community, and in our world. 
And so this offering is above and beyond. This is not part of your tithes. This is uh, just an offering for the poor. It's, it's beyond what you normally give. If you, if you don't have extra money to give, I don't want you to feel any obligation to give in this offering. This is above and beyond, and everything that is given uh, goes uh, to uh, help churches that are in need. Uh, we have churches in our fellowship that were on the East Coast. Uh, and uh, some are unable to meet today because of what they've gone through uh, with the hurricane. And uh, then there's others that, that have, have made it through unscathed and are helping others. And uh, a portion of this offering may go in that direction, depending on the need out there. But there is obviously needs among us, and there's needs all over our world. And um, so thank you for giving above and beyond. This is just our way of showing God's love to the people that we know that are in need. So I'm going to invite the men and women to come forward. God, we thank you for this opportunity to uh, give above and beyond uh, to people that are hurting, to people that are in need. And God, we know that you supply all needs according to your riches and glory. So today, Lord, supply those that are in need and uh, just let them know, God, that you love them and that you're taking care of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, as we go, uh, I'm just going to invite Kelly Spencer quickly. He's going to uh, make an announcement for our men. If you look inside of your bulletin, so many important things happening for men, uh, for women, for young couples, uh, but there's something very important happening next weekend. Next Saturday morning, uh, we have a work day. Uh, Pat, or Lars Svensson is going to be uh, leading up a work day to help us get a few things done before winter hurts or winter hits. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, it's going to hurt too. Um, <laughs> Um, there's no, there's no particular skill that's necessary. You just have to work harder than Lars. So if you think you can do that, come on over. Nine, 9.30 a.m. to probably just after lunch. Work harder than Lars. That's impossible. Who can work harder than our very own Caleb? Uh, here we have got Caleb and Joshua here with, uh, Lars and Pastor Merrill. Uh, we're going to receive the blessing of the Lord, but I'm going to ask Pastor Merrill to come up at this time, and we're going to pray, uh, over him. And uh, I'm just going to ask you to stand uh, this morning. And uh, as you stand, I'm going to invite uh, the, the pastors, the elders, pastors' council, Saturday prayer, uh, Wednesday prayer group, uh, anybody that's involved in missions, just step out of your seat. Just come on down. And uh, we're going to pray for Pastor Merrill, and we're just going to surround him. And, uh, and anybody that feels led, just come on, step out of your seat, come on down. We're going to pray for Pastor Merrill as he goes to India. And uh, we're going to give the blessing, then I want you to receive the blessing of the Lord as well this morning, because this blessing wasn't just for these Old Testament Bible characters way off. They're not just for a select few today. It is for you. This anointing is for you uh, today. Lord, we just surround uh, Pastor Merrill this morning. Just stretch forth your hand toward Pastor Merrill. We just surround him as our church family and pray, Lord, a blessing upon him, Lord, an anointing, just as they did in the book of Acts, as they would send out the apostles on missions. Lord, we, we do the same today with the laying on of hands, that he would be full of the power of the Holy Spirit. God, that every word that he speaks would be in season and, Lord, would come to pass. God, we believe, Lord, that you are sending him out with an apostolic anointing upon him as he leaves this place. And, God, we just thank you for him. We thank you that you're going to keep him in health and strength, God, that you're going to give him that strength of Caleb, Lord, that strength of Moses, uh, God, that you just keep him, uh, his heart and his mind and his body alive in you. God, we thank you for that precious anointing 
that goes with your servants. God, we believe that that anointing is upon all of us this morning. And God, wherever we go, as we step out of these walls, God, you are taking us for your kingdom to certain places to do your will, whether it be in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools. God, go with us, and may we go with that anointing upon our life to share you with this world. Lord, we pray for our nation this week. God, we believe, God, that uh, we should humble ourselves and place ourselves in your hand, God. And Lord, we believe, God, that our best days are ahead of us. Lord, as individuals, as a nation, as all that, God, because Lord, you are our God. We just declare that this morning in this place, that you are our God and we are your people. Lord, today, would you bless us and protect us? Will you smile on us and be gracious to us? Will you show us your favor and give you his peace? Give us your peace. We believe it today. We hold on to it. And uh, God, we walk in that blessing today as a Joshua generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 It's been good to be in the presence of God. And uh, you want to bless Pastor Merrill as he goes, you can do that. Uh, men, there are so many things coming up for you. Women, you can buy tickets to the ladies' tea today. Also, make sure you buy something from the bake sale out in the lobby. Have a great time uh, doing that and fellowshipping with one another. If anybody needs special prayer, I'll be down front. But God bless you, and we'll see you next week.